Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Welcome back, hour number two. Happy weekend, boys and girls. Happy kickoff to round two of the NFL Draft. We will keep you apprised of how that progresses over the next hour before we send you live to it for rounds two and three here on ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast, the Tutel and Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's available all the time at your leisure. That's the beauty of a podcast. And it is there thanks to Blackfoot. If you'd like to listen live on the stream, you can do that as well. 1029ESPN.com. You go there, you listen live all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Happy now to go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in former Montana State Bobcat, former Calgary Stampeder, and current Philadelphia Eagle linebacker Alex Singleton joining us. Alex, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Appreciate you guys having me on. How are you guys? Well, we're doing great. We're happy to have you on. Now, first question, where where in the world are you? Are you in Philadelphia, in Montana, somewhere else? What are you doing right now? Uh, right now, I'm back at home, uh, the parents' house in California. You know, a nice balmy 90 today, so it's pretty nice out here. I mean, good gracious. Uh, that's just that is just too much for me, man. I'm I, I good for you for toughening up with the hot weather, <laughs> but that just made me sweat just hearing that number. Uh, hey, listen, I, I, this is so interesting. We got a ton to talk with you about, but I want to just talk right here and now in the present. And this kind of the, the the virus that's been going on and the the social distancing and all of that. And everybody, I think, you know, has this responsibility to to treat this, uh, you know, with respect to do the right thing for themselves or family and others. But for you as an NFL player. Do you feel an added responsibility of kind of acting in, in certain ways because you know that people are watching you? And has the team addressed something like that with you guys? Or are you just expected, you know, as professionals to to take responsibility in that way? How do you approach this? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's added. It's just more kind of if we want this to be over with and we want to be playing, <laughs> you know, by, right. you know, going into camp in the middle of July, then we better do whatever we can and kind of voice, you know, that right opinion, you know, more or less, because uh, obviously we don't want our season to get canceled. 
or, you know, postponed or, you know, whatever that would come down to. So just, you know, kind of doing the right things just from that aspect, you know, to have a job. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of people follow kind of what's going on. You know, I think, you know, I've heard from so many people on social media, like, oh, if you can work out in your garage, like I can easily do that, you know? So it, it kind of just gives people, I guess, that assurance that, you know, if, if NFL guys and NBA guys and MLB guys are working out at home, you know, it's, no reason, you know, everybody else can't. Alex, what's up, man? It's Coulter Nuwana. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. And we should state an NFL player that's back in the NFL because you've had uh, quite the journey going from Seattle, New England, and Minnesota, your first couple years there in the league, and then great time, three years in Canada playing for the Calgary Stampeders. And then this last year, joined the Philadelphia Eagles again. What gave you the courage and, and the desire to get back in the NFL? Obviously, it's top level of football played, but what was the process like to go from being a standout in the CFL to getting back in the NFL? What was last year playing for the Eagles like for you? Uh, it was it was definitely a lot. You know, uh, obviously bouncing around wasn't the uh, you know the funnest time of my career. I think it was cut you know eleven, twelve times in that in that time span of that year. And uh, yeah, so when I went up to Canada, you know, I obviously did everything I could, and you know, I signed a three year contract to go up there. So I kind of just put everything else in the back and was like, I'm going to do whatever I can in three years. And you know, luckily, you know, stayed healthy and was able to you know be on a good team, a team that you know at the end of three years, we won the championship in my third season, uh, in, you know, all the other accolades that came with that, that, you know, were just extra, you know, on top of it. But, uh, yeah, to have kind of my contract, I guess, run out at the right time for me at a time that I was ready to, you know, take a chance and come back to the NFL and then to be able to, you know, come down and eventually become an active player and play, you know, 11 games this season was huge. And, you know, just hopefully progresses further this season. Cause you know, I love Philly. It was a great time last season. I'm just ready to, whenever we get to go back and just, you know, keep, you know, improving and showing the coaches why they deserve to be there. One thing that's been sort of a common thread between guys that have come out of Montana State, Montana, and just this this neck of the woods, the Big Sky Conference, a lot of guys from Eastern Washington as well. It seems like guys, even if they're standout All-American players like you were yourself at Montana State, if they cut their teeth early on special teams, it sets the tone for them then being able to do that in the NFL. I know last year you had a phenomenal year on special teams for the Eagles. So how important has that been in just you being a professional football player? And how much of that did you learn during your younger years at Montana State? Uh, I mean, it's huge. You know, I think, you know, unless you're a first or second round pick, and even sometimes those guys, uh, you've got to make a mark, you know, playing on special teams. So you got to just go out there and kind of just be hungry because it's, it's, uh, it's different than, you know, being in college, you know, or high school when you line up against somebody that, you know, might not be the best at, you know, what they do. But, you know, every time in the NFL, whether it's practice or games, I mean, the guy, the guy standing across from you, even on special teams, is one of the best in the world at that. So you kind of, you gotta, you get this new focus, but yeah, I mean, you have to be able to take that and you know grind that out, and you see it from all the guys that have ever made it, you know, like the Brock Coils and Jordan Trips, you know, just you know Missoula guys, and you know you you see it, and you just you gotta embrace it, and if you don't, you know, it, your career will be shorter. But if you embrace it and take full advantage of it, you know, I think like you know like my coach now, uh, how um, you'd see, you know, you can make a full career out of it, and you know, be one of the best to ever do it. Alex Singleton joining us for Montana State Bobcat and current by way of a number of different stops, Philadelphia Eagle. Talk to me about this. You're a Bobcat. You play football for Dave Dickinson and Tim Howe. Now, how does that go? Is there is how many fights have you gotten in when that's the situation that you find yourself in at the professional level? 
Yeah, you know, uh, that's, you know, probably number one, number two, or 1A and 1B for uh, Grizz history, you know. So uh, the fact that one in my four professional years haven't lost a bet to either one of them. Now let's it's wait. Now nice. let me stop um, you right there because I we've heard about this. You you have put oh, some yeah. Cat Grizz uh, 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 bets on the line, including what the 2018 game with the goal line stand. So walk us through <laughs> your bet that you had with with Dickinson on this and how that went when it all played out. Yeah. So Dave, you know, uh, all three years, you know, we were lucky to be going to play in the Grey Cup, so we were still having team meetings, right? You know, um, after Cat Grizz, you know, we were still playing. So it was all, you know, it was always on Saturday. And then we, we played, we would play on either that Saturday or that Sunday. And I think both years we ended up playing on Sunday. So, you know, the outcome had already been decided. And the Monday after we won, he always had to come, uh, come in and put on a, a nice 2X blue and gold T-shirt <laughs> and do the whole team meeting. And I think the best part about it was is we had Bo. You know, Bo, yeah, Eastern Washington standout. So every year, he, he when he'd come into the blue and gold, he would just be, you know, he would just boo him for having to wear a different color. So it was, it was always great. You could tell it really hurt him, but Tim is a lot better. Tim, you know, Dave's nicer. Dave, you know, that offensive nice guy. Tim was, he's a house. He doesn't <laughs> wear blue and gold. <laughs> So what's Tim's it, reaction? It what does he do? Is great. he just is he just shredding you while he's doing this? Like how does that work? So yeah, so you know, I was you know, with Dave, you know, me and Dave would just joke about it. You know, I was Dave's first draft pick ever in the CFL. So he couldn't really say too much because, you know, I he picked me to be around him. Um <laughs> right. and so I always, you know, gave him, you know, that hard time. And then, you know, with Bo, because you know, Bo thinks Eastern's a rival with everybody because they don't really have one. <laughs> they uh he would make fun of, you know, Dave too, because Eastern, you know, was just beating up on everybody the last few years. And uh, it just came down. Yeah, so Tim, I go, you know, he walks by and goes, what do you want to bet this week? With, like, this angry tone that he doesn't have. If you ever talk to him, you know, he's like, a, he's laid back. You know, he doesn't yell. He doesn't really get angry unless it has to do with football. But then all of a sudden, he, this, this new tone comes over him. He's like, what do you want to bet this week? And I was like, you know, Dave always put on a T-shirt after we won. And he was like, I'm not going to wear that stupid fucking color. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's 630 and we're at breakfast together. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. in the morning so is pretty week, early, yes. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it happens. I'll take the fine, you know. It's fineable. <laughs> Good. We'll we'll redirect sorry, the sorry fine. Sorry, kids out there. We'll redirect the fine to, to the Philadelphia Eagles. I can Eagles. pay for it. We'll I can I can pay for it with the house, you know, the house payment I got. <laughs> Alex Singleton joining us, linebacker of the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's one thing that I'm curious about, too, because it seems a lot of times like guys will, you know, will maybe if they're going to get drafted on the last day or be a free agent like you were and be on maybe a couple practice squads, like you said, bouncing around a bunch of teams, try and make it Mm -hmm. and then end up going to the CFL. And then it feels like, well, okay, that's that's what they're going to be. Now, there's CFL football player, which is great. I mean, professional athlete playing you know professional football but it seems like there's a lot of guys that could go up get actual playing time improve on the field and and work the way that you did and then 
take another shot at the NFL and come back as better players, guys who are more prepared, you know, to 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 actually make it in the league the way that you have. I realize timing's a big part of it. Like you said, you know, your contract kind of ran out at a time that kind of worked out. But how come there isn't more of that, do you think, or or should there be? You know, I honestly think it's, you know, almost situational. You know, it's so tough. You know, the CFL, there's only nine teams, and half of them have to be Canadian players. Right. So a lot of it is, you know, there is good Americans that go up there and just don't make the team. You know, I think uh, I think you saw this year with the XFL and then last year with the AAF, you know, there were so many guys that you saw that had had, you know, gone to camps in the NFL, gone to camps in the CFL, now they're in, you know, the next camp. And it just, you know, there's just not enough spots for guys that are good enough to play football. You know, if you look at the NFL on an active roster day, whatever, you know, 48 times 32, you know, it's, you know, maybe 1,200 players, you know, roughly. And then you take the CFL and that's another 500. So there's only 1,700, you know, active professional football players in the world at any given time. So if you, you know, just take those numbers into consideration, you know, there's however many handfuls of all Americans every year from, and you just take the FCS and division two level that can play. At, at the level, and it's it's just the competition is just really, really tough uh, no matter which way you try to go about it. Well, Philadelphia Eagles certainly have one of the fiercest and most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Now you're playing in a division, the NFC East, that has one of the greatest and uh, most historical rivalries between almost all of them. I mean, every team really is a rival of each other. Everybody. <laughs> right? But compare and contrast that element. What's it like playing in Philly? But how do some of the rivalry games when you're playing the Giants or the Redskins or the Cowboys compare to when you were playing against the Grizzlies? Uh, well, one, there's... I would say, man, that's tough. I mean, because there's nothing like Hagger is. You know, I think it's it's so deep. And I think, you know, with us, the stadiums being smaller and the communities, you know, it you're really living in the community, you know, obviously going to school. I think, it, you know, it's so much more passion in that sense that, you know, because at the NFL level, you know, you're not, you're not walking to class with fans. You're not, uh, you're just not interacting as much with the public. You know, they kind of, they kind of keep you out of that. Or and usually if you're in it, especially in Philadelphia, it might be a little worse than uh, most places. But I mean, you know, luckily for us, you know, the Giants and Redskins this past season, you know, weren't the best teams, and it was like home games when we played, right, uh, in those stadiums. And you know, my first active game this year was in Dallas, and that was, you know, it was definitely, definitely not as hostile as uh, playing in Missoula by any means, but, you know, you could just feel that rivalry, you know, the opening kickoff, I was, you know, the center on KOR and got to see, you know, start on the star, you know, wearing, you know, our, you know, the midnight green. And so, that was, you know, it was pretty special to have that moment and kind of just be like, dang, you know, this is, if anything's going to compare to what Kagaris was in my life, this is definitely, uh, this is definitely it. Alex Singleton joining us, Philadelphia Eagles linebacker, former Montana State Bobcat. And Alex, when you have, you know, work as hard as you have and then are as successful as you are in the CFL and then you come back and you, you make it onto an NFL team and now are, you know, part of the Eagles uh, uh, roster, how rewarding was that for you to say, you know, this you're, you are you are at the, you know, you're, you're in the greatest league on earth doing, you know, doing it. How, how, how proud are you of the, you know, the time and the effort and the work that you put in over all those years, college and afterwards, to make it to this point and then have it pay off the way it has? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely special. You know, you just look at back, you know, how much, you know, I went through, you know, four pro years before I even took a active NFL snap, you know, it, 
you know, just the amount of work just there alone, not even talking college and high school. But then, you know, then just thinking, you know, how great, you know, like I said, starting that game, the first one I'm playing in, in Dallas, and all of a sudden, you know, that ball's kicked, and it's like, all right, well, no no one cares. Right. Now, whether it's your first or your, you know, 200th, like, you better, if you don't play like it's your last play, it might be. So then, you know, ever since then, it's just kind of been that grind to get better and, and now to stay, you know, so it, it kind of almost, you you chase them for so long. I think it's what a lot of the guys, you know, that are coming out of the draft will feel. You know, you work so hard for pro day and this this day or this weekend, whether you're drafted or undrafted. But then, guess you know, reality hits. That's just step one of you know a hundred steps. So it's uh, so rewarding to think about. But then just the work, you know, alone put in this off season. You know, it's just that much greater and that much harder to be able to stick around. Well, and on that note, how hard it is to stick around. It's like I was texting you the other night. Right now you're the only former Bobcat or Grizzly that is on an active roster in the NFL. So uh, two-part question, how much pride do you take in that element of it? But also I know you still follow Montana State football. And there's a handful of guys that have a chance both from the Bobcats and the Grizzlies to maybe break their way in the NFL as well. So uh, what do you think of some of the prospects that are coming out of specifically MSU? Uh, you know, yeah, one, yeah, they're, it's an exciting weekend for them. You know, it's uh, it'll be fun. You know, it's there's nothing there's nothing like it. Obviously, it's a little different because uh, there's no mini camps. You know, usually right now, you know, the vets were already at OTAs, and then the rookies would come. You know, this following weekend to go to you know rookie mini camp, but now it's all virtual. And you know, hopefully, you know, one or two of those guys, you know, are in 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 our meetings. You know, it'd be pretty cool to you know have you know fellow fellow cat or grizz you know because it's all you know brock coyle was huge you know in my rookie season uh bringing me in when i went to seattle so you know just to be able to help any guy you know from the state is you know pretty special but yeah you know always excited when the cats get guys out you know it's it means so much and i know kind of what they've been through in their career and you know what they're gonna have to do so it's it's always exciting for them and yeah i mean that's a funny kind of stat i guess you could say because I don't think Mike's done playing yet. I think he's still just a free agent. I'm right. excited to see what happens with him. You know, I feel he deserves the world. I mean, if you watch any of the games they played this year, he was awesome. So to not say it'll be a, a short time that I'm uh, the only one, hopefully a short time. You know, I want there to be more. I don't want there to be less. Well, Alex, we appreciate you being with us, my man. We thank you for taking the time out, and uh, and best of luck as you continue to work out. Your gym had fun watching you and your sister doing your workouts on there. That's awesome to see, and uh, and we'll look forward to getting back to this thing as soon as we possibly can, all right? Yes, and then, yeah, uh, with my sister, uh, we are going to be doing more workouts for Special Olympics. I've talked to uh, Special Olympics Montana. So we'll be doing uh, Facebook Live, you know, workouts. Uh, I post them on my stuff on my uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, which is just Alex Singleton 49. If anyone wants to, you know, follow along with us, my sister is the better athlete in the family and more fun. She's a little nicer in the workouts than me, so yeah. And she's tell, the person you tell want people, to be working out with. Sorry, and I, we should we got some time. Tell tell people a little bit more about that, Alex, because your sister uh, has Down syndrome, and you've done a ton of stuff with with the Montana Special Olympics with her, and now even in this time of quarantine, you've been doing you know the social media stuff, and so just talk you know kind of about that road and that process because this is a great thing that you're up to right now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously Special Olympics is near and dear to my heart because my sister, uh, which, as she'll tell you, has been doing it for 23 years. 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've just been doing workouts. You know, Cal- Special Olympics Calgary was actually the first ones to reach out. You know, I think the first week of quarantine, it was just kind of like, hey, we're just trying to get our athletes, you know, to stay active. You know, some of them don't even know why they're, you know, forced to stay home, can't go to their jobs, uh, right. not going to their, you know, programs, not going to school. And so just, you know, and their parents are just trying to find ways to keep them active or kind of, you know, just keep them, you know, involved with their friends. And so they reached out and to do, you know, once a week, we've done just a workout, you know, to get everybody, not just special Olympic athletes, but, you know, just to help special Olympic athletes more or less to, uh, you know, get out and stay active for 30 to 45 minutes a day. And then especially in Montana and Calgary and Philadelphia circumstance, you know, maybe a little colder than it is here in California. So to, you know, get, get everybody up and just moving and just kind of put a smile on your face. Cause there's always a positive and everything. And, you know, for me, it's definitely getting to be at home with my sister and my family and to do these workouts and enjoy time with them. Hey man, that's awesome. We appreciate you sharing that. Tell people again where they can follow you on all the social medias. Yes, and uh, all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just Alex Singleton 49. It's no spaces, no nothing, so it should be should be easy to find. It is. We're following you here uh, with, uh, with the ESPN and Coulter and myself as well. We'll keep up with you on that, and we appreciate you joining us here. Best of luck this upcoming season. We'll catch up again soon, all right? Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. You got it. Thanks, Alex. Alex Singleton, the lone Cat Grizz graduate, on on a roster at this very moment won't won't probably be that way for long. But uh, won't be is, surprised is if Mike Person or Tremaine Johnson gets picked up before That's right. the season starts. But uh, pretty cool distinction. And like you said, I mean, he was on the practice squad for the Patriots, the Vikings, and the Seahawks, and he was moved up, moved down, moved up, moved down. Never know where he was going. He'd right. get promoted to the active roster for a week. They get cut and they get cut from the practice squad and they get signed to a new practice squad right. and. I mean, 12 times being released, talk about sticking to it, but sometimes you got to find, that's why I'm always talking about with building the program. Sometimes you just got to find the things that are your advantage right. or the circumstance you can you can uh, accentuate. Well, and He finds out that his mother has uh, Canadian heritage, so now he's a Canadian, right. so he finds a Canadian <laughs> draft, and he's like the number three overall pick, right. and then he goes right. up there, and, he, and he's the CFL defensive MVP. Right. It's it's Yeah, it's remarkable. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because, Everybody thinks, well, football is performance-based. Well, certainly it is. But for a guy like that, when you're you know, bouncing back between active and practice squad and different teams, it almost always has nothing to do with you. What what's going on? Right. It's it's your starting linebacker, you know, or you're not even you're a linebacker. The starting right guard got injured. Right. So now they have to find a right guard, and then you become the casualty of right. just the numbers of the thing, even totally. though you did everything right. So totally. it, it's it's so much out of your hands. It's just unbelievable. But good good for him for sticking with it and and making it to where he has. It's two tell Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. Justin Udy, the offensive coordinator, of the Montana State Bobcats, first year offensive coordinator, joins us right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more.
Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for being with us on your radios, on your TVs across the state on SWX. And uh, check out the YouTube channel, the stream, all that. We appreciate that. It is time now for our Opportunity Bank Coaches Corner. and We go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the brand-new offensive coordinator, the Montana State Bobcat football team, Justin Udy. And, Coach, so we haven't had the chance to meet quite yet, but we certainly appreciate you taking the time out and joining us here on the show. We appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here, Coach, and, and such an interesting deal where you you know, you know were uh, at Utah State and then obviously at Texas Tech and get an opportunity to, to be the offensive coordinator and you come to uh, Montana State and join Coach Choate's staff and now you're Zoom meeting everybody that you could ever you know possibly be in touch with. How has this been for you the last you know couple of months? You get this job, I know it's very exciting for you, and now you got to try and navigate this time while implementing all the offensive things that you want to do from a distance how has that gone you know it's going pretty good you know obviously it has its challenges but um certainly there's there's bigger things going on in the world and and you know those things are quite a bit more important than than football but specifically to me you know there's there's been challenges with it but the the best part of it's just been our staff and our players and their ability to kind of stay loose and adjust and work work with me specifically on those things you were talking about, the things that we're trying to implement and and uh, and add to the offense for this upcoming season, and and really, like I said, I just I just tip my hat to our, our coaching staff and our players because they're the ones that really make the make this thing go with uh, given the situation and, and having to do all these Zoom meetings. So, Justin, hey, Coulter Nuanas, thanks so much for joining us. Two part question: as as a guy that's coming in to be. Uh, first-time Division One offensive coordinator, but that has play-calling experience from the past. What do you think your biggest challenge will be uh, coming into this next year? And secondly, what was the biggest attracting factor to you uh, to bring you to Montana State? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge uh, for me is just going to be able to um, implement the things that were uh, really working for this group last year because um, we don't want to forget those things and be able to find a balance with, with what I am bringing with me. And, and that's certainly something that anytime you're trying to kind of have a mixture of those two things, um, it's nice to be able to go out and have practices and get film and, and work off of that, you, you know, work off of that film and, and be able to coach and teach the kids from that. And so that, that is going to be the biggest challenge is just uh, figuring out wherever we end up moving forward from this point um, how we can create that balance between the two. And, you know, I think the, the biggest attraction to Montana State was just really the people. Um, I had a connection with several coaches on staff and, and really a connection with the program just from my, my childhood. You know, I grew up a, a big sky kid and, and grew up just south of Moscow, Idaho there. And so um, got the opportunity to watch a lot of big sky football games when I was growing up and um, certainly have spent time in Bozeman uh, throughout my years coaching just stopping to see my, you know, the coach, some of the coaches that I knew here. And when I was working in South Dakota, uh, always stopped here and, and helped work uh, summer camps and prospect camps for recruiting purposes. And so uh, a big part of it was really to just get back on the field and um, get an opportunity to get a room back and, and get that connection going with players. And obviously the opportunity to be a play caller again is something that I really, really wanted and, and couldn't be more excited for the opportunity. 
Justin Udy joining us. He's the new offensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. And uh, Justin, after having been, you know, at Utah State and Texas Tech with with Matt Wells and then uh, 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 David Yost as well, you alluded to this already. But I'll help you because I've followed the Bobcats in the entire tenure of, of Coach Choate. They are a different offense from the Texas Tech offense <laughs> as it's been uh, over there. So I'm I'm curious. Like I, we know, you know coaches are very broad and can do a lot of different things, but when you try and assess the personnel that you have and then create uh, an offense for them, how do you do that, especially now when you, when you can't really see guys on the field? And how much is it the give and take of you have an offense that you want to run and then you have the players that you need to run it and kind of finding that balance? How do you do that? Yeah, you know, there like I said, there's challenges given this the situation and what we're, you know, what we're dealing with with not being able to to be face to face with guys and obviously not being able to practice. But um, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's dealing with those things. And so for me, um, you know, a big part of right now is is just doing my research on guys, creating relationships, and and leaning on the coaches that are here to really. Uh, give me a, an evaluation of their personnel at their position group uh, as we move forward. And um, obviously the things that uh, I'm looking to implement are things that we felt like would help us improve on um, some of the areas that, that the offense did struggle last year because they did a ton of things really, really well. And there was a few things that, uh, you know, Coach Choate told me and, and the offensive staff told me when I interviewed that they really wanted to address. And, and obviously they felt like I would, I was a good fit to address those things. And, and some of those things are, you know, third downs and, um, you know, being able to uh, maintain the versatility of, of using multiple personnel groupings and changing the tempo up on, on defensive coordinators and on defenses. And um, I think that was the strength of this unit was their ability to, to throw a bunch of different packages. And coach Miller did a tremendous job uh, of doing that throughout the course of the year. Obviously I got a chance to see the offense firsthand uh, week one last year. Um, and was very, very impressed with a lot of things, but probably most of all, just the physicality of the group. And so I think when the, you know, when the culture of the program is, is being a physical group, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that open up in an offensive playbook that you feel like you can take advantage of. And so um, certainly my history, just the last two years, uh, th- those two offenses are, are nowhere near the same. Um, but schematic football uh, really goes hand in hand. And, and I have, you know, known Coach Armstrong for a long time, um, and he does a tremendous job with our offensive line. And, and I'll certainly lean on him quite a bit when it comes to our run game and the ideas that we're going to scheme up week to week for our opponents. Quarterback, how are you dressing the quarterback competition that you guys are sure to have coming up? Because I know that uh, spring is usually a time to at least establish a pecking order. So how do you guys go about uh, re- replicating what you missed during spring and having some sort of hierarchy going into fall camp? Yeah, you know, I, I think obviously we missed the opportunity for those guys to, to gain those reps and, and compete. But uh, certainly the, the nice part about it is uh, when you talk about the three older guys in the group, um, those three individuals all have experience in starting football games. And so for me, it's more or less just how they're going about their business. And, and really when we get back, um, you know, from that point moving forward, what it looks like on the field for them, and they know how to prepare themselves uh, in a way that's going to give them an opportunity to compete to win the job. 
You know, one thing that we talk a lot about in our position group is just, you know, nobody prepares to try to be the, the second string quarterback. And, and that's not something that we're trying to do on a day in and day out basis. So as, as we meet with those guys and we develop relationships, um, you know, me specifically with them, but, you know, we have, we do have a, a transfer into the group and, and uh, Matt McKay. And, and so he's still trying to kind of build relationships within the offensive unit. And um, that's something that we've really focused on is just how we can, um, you know, develop as individuals in order to give ourselves an opportunity to compete at the highest level. And, you know, moving forward with that actual competition, it'll be a short window of time. And, and obviously we're, we're really, really hopeful that, you know, that we'll be able to uh, get through this, this period of time and, and still have a, a regular season. And, um, you know, in that, you know, there will be a window of time where those guys will have an opportunity to show what they've done um, with, with this time away from each other. Now, we love catching up with you about Montana State football. We'll be sure to do that often between now and the start of the season and, of course, during the season, too. But we got I got to ask you this, Justin. Tutel here is a Packers fan. I got problems. Last Justin. night, the Packers draft Jordan Love. <laughs> I know you're a guy that was around oh. Jordan Love during your time at Utah State. So talk yeah. to my buddy Ryan off the ledge here. He can't get over this pick. Tell him yeah. he's wrong. Ryan, I'm just telling you right now, uh, the year that I spent around Jordan Love, um, you're, you're in safe hands, man. You really are. That, that, uh, Jordan is a phenomenal person, um, a man of, uh, of great character, but his skill sets are something different, and I couldn't be happier for him and his family. Um, he's earned everything that he's gotten, and, and I, I know it's tough for Packers fans right now. There's a lot of doubt, but um, I promise you he, he'll deliver for you. He's, he's a great kid and an even better person, and um, I, I'm so excited for him. You, you, you're you not going to regret it, I promise you. Justin, I think there's like a psychological thing where you're supposed to like count to 10 before you respond. <laughs> and this, you know, this is not, I, I really actually like Jordan Love. I really do. But I felt like yeah. I was in pretty good hands in a lot of ways with 12 also. So this is, you know, this is the rub here. Uh, we will speak more about this, and I can say I just I hope that you're right. I believe in you, and I hope I look, on this one you're right. I look forward to it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yep. Ju- Justin, <laughs> thanks so much for being here again. Congratulations on the job. That's big time. Uh, so excellent work by you, and 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 uh, and continuing your career in this way. We look forward to to watching this team and your offense here this fall. Hopefully, uh, right off the get right, we could get this thing going uh, as soon as possible. We appreciate you taking the time and and uh, and joining us on the show okay no thank you guys i appreciate it anytime go cats there you go justin you the offensive coordinator of the uh, montana state bobcats and a jordan love proponent this is not me hating on jordan love i got i got i feel you man okay i feel you there's i think that a lot of there's a lot of misperception on when people are given draft grades it's not about grading the actual player that's drafted it's about grading the player that is drafted by the team that he's drafted by in the spot that he's drafted in that's right and we will give that's you that exact criticism, analysis right? we will give you that exact analysis after this this is our opportunity bank coaches corner opportunity bank your local bank your opportunity the nfl draft which i'm all the way out on at this point next 
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Happy Friday, my friends, if it can be. I don't know how happy I feel right at this very moment. Why not? I don't know, because the best quarterback in football burned a first-round pick with his team yeah. to get another quarterback. That's why you shouldn't be emotionally invested in things you can't control. You know what? That That's, that's, that's idiotic <laughs> that you say that. I mean, you just undercut your entire profession. It's 2 Tell New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live, as always, from our new studios. Happy to be here. If you missed anything in the first hour or second hour of the show, you can listen on the podcast. The podcast will be up right after the show here. We appreciate you listening there. Rate, subscribe, review, all that. Podcast brought to us by Blackfoot. Friends of Blackfoot getting that going. We appreciate that very much. Uh, Quick update. The second round of the draft is in progress. We will join it in progress here on ESPN Radio in just about 10 minutes from now. Uh, Just a quick recap here of this second round. The Bengals back at the top, of course, of the second round, the 33rd pick overall. They took T. Higgins, wide receiver, out of Clemson. So they go Burrow, number one, Higgins, number two. And if everybody's healthy, that's a heck of a group of skill position players that Burrow has to work with, though not a heck of offensive linemen to work with. the uh, Colts, they take Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, with the uh, – I'm just going to go in order. So this is, you know, second second pick of the second round. Michael Pittman, Pittman Jr., wide receiver out of USC. DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia, goes to the Lions. Xavier McKinney, finally off the board, safety uh, out of Alabama, goes to the Giants. Kyle Duger out of Lenore Ryan. He's a safety from the Division Two. Who do you think made that pick? Oh, right, the Patriots. Their first pick of this draft. That's what's so funny is that if anybody else made that pick, you'd be like, well, that was stupid. That's a reach. And you're like, oh, they're just going to create a new position no one's heard of for this guy, and he's going to be a pro bowler next year because that's what they do. Uh, Defensive end, Uter Gross Matos uh, Massos out of Penn State goes to the Carolina Panthers. Carolina loading up on that uh, defense. They get Isaiah Simmons yesterday and then Gross Matos today. No, no, Simmons went to the Cardinals. Derek Brown did? was the Panthers. Oh, Derek Brown, right, so they right, got right. Two, two young D-line. De- Derek Brown, who's the other great defensive, well, Chase Young, of course, but um, Robert Hunt, uh, offensive guard, the first uh, uh, big ugly up front uh, to go on the second day out of Louisiana, goes to the Dolphins, trying to protect their investment in Tua, Tagovailoa, and then just now for the Texans, this is the first draft pick of the Texans in this draft, Ross Blacklock. Uh, defensive tackle from TCU going to Houston. So there you go. Uh, Col- oh, here we go. Just just in a trade. The uh, Colts have moved up to the ninth pick of the second round and taken Jonathan Taylor off the board, Ooh. running back, 
Wisconsin off the board, just taken by the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts go Michael Pittman Jr. at 34 and Jonathan Taylor at 41. Phillip Rivers is loving it right now. I mean, are you kidding me? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And like I've said for a while now, the one thing about the Colts is that they finally rebuilt the offensive line to protect Andrew Luck. Right. But it was too little too late because Luck was already hurt. But they're ready to roll because if you have Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, that's a great one-two punch. And then you have skill players. I mean, T.Y. Hilton combined with Michael Pittman, and now you got Phillip Rivers. Colts are contender again already. They are. And by the way, the Colts did not have a first-round pick. Uh, they had traded that away. I think they did. They traded that away to get Philip. I don't forget who the, who it was, but anyway, uh, those are the first two picks, and they go to uh, pretty well known skill position guys out of college. Coulter, uh, yesterday, I just like everybody else was just aghast at what the Green Bay Packers elected to do and taking Jordan Love at twenty six. Let's briefly just roll through just a few things that happened before that because I thought the dominoes of this first round were interesting. nothing else matters. Coulter, what, one, nothing. One point I want to make is that. The, the development of players at the Power 5 programs at this point. Kane Ione said this on the ESPN Roundtable two weeks ago when he was talking about his time at Washington. He said, there's truly at this moment no excuse for you to fail in any way as a student athlete if you go to a Power 5 school. Right. The resources are just too great. When you look at the guys now in the first round, there's no reaches. Every single one of these guys is like, wow, <laughs> wow, wow. Every guy, mm-hmm. size, speed, strength. But it's just the order and the fit that then becomes the part that we analyze. And so just a few quick hitters from the first round. That was intriguing that the Dolphins didn't have to trade to still get their dude in Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that Justin Herbert got a little Montana-Montana State shout-out uh, when he was drafted by the Chargers. And then that will be an interesting little uh, West Coast battle. Justin Herbert versus Easton Stick, former North Dakota State quarterback, for the right to replace Phillip Rivers. That will be intriguing. Yep. I thought the Isaiah Simmons pick by the Cardinals was exactly what we were talking about yesterday in terms of the evolution of defensive football in the NFL to be more of a spread collegiate style. Now the the Cardinals have multiple guys that they don't have to play a position. They can roam around. Him and Teron Matthew, that gives you so much versatility on defense. Except Teron Matthew isn't in Arizona. Oh, that's right. He went to the Texans. He was Kansas City. But he Patrick could, Peterson's but sitting Patrick there. Peterson's still there. But, I mean, Simmons, you can use him in maybe not as the true one-high safety type guy, but you can use him in as that rover guy in the box that can play in the nickel off the edge, all that stuff. I thought that was interesting. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Hilarious that the Raiders panicked and, and drafted the fastest receiver in the draft, even though they needed other things. I think Henry Ruggs will be a good player, but it's just so funny that they have new ownership and new leadership and everything. It's not really new ownership. It's the same ownership. Well, right, it's, right, right. And it's Gruden, who's back again, even just sure. like he was with that. I mean, sure. it's, just, it's, just, it's just funny. Just get a fast guy. And then the first, I mean, I thought the first domino was the Giants taking Andrew Thomas, and then that matriculated all the way down with... Jedrick Willis of Alabama going to the Browns and Mackay Becton of Louisville going to the Jets. And then all of a sudden, Tristan Wirfs, who was the best tackle in the draft by almost everybody's evaluation, gets to be Tom Brady's new tackle. Right. I mean, Tampa Tampa is winning right now well, with that whole thing going no on. No doubt. Really and, then, I mean, the, and then the dominoes continue to fall. And because of all that that happened, now all of a sudden the 49ers, who are already stacked, get Javon Kinlaw, who was a great defense, interior defensive lineman from South Carolina. I also thought that uh, you know City Land with the Cowboys is nice. All Justin right, Jefferson, all right, Vikings, all right, all right. To no, the Vikings is none, nice. None of it matters. And then the only real, none true, of busted, bad pick surprise, your Green Bay Packers. Well, here's the thing. So the Packers go ahead and take a quarterback. Notably, they've got a quarterback who's how old is Aaron Rodgers? Thirty six, maybe thirty seven. Yep. This he's he he's got he's got plenty of years left. 
And Only they, in this day and age do we say that. And they go and they He's 36. Jordan Love out of Utah State. Now, I I like Jordan Love, the player. Like when I was looking at this guy, I was like, you know, this there's do you realize that his entire coaching staff obviously left from his junior to his senior year, including Justin Udy, yep. okay, David Well, everybody else. And a whole bunch of guys players graduated with that class yep. as well. And that Utah so, State offense was lights out his, his sophomore year because he was only a junior this year. So. Absolutely lights out. So I like him as a player. I understand that Aaron Rodgers is the same age as Brett Favre was when they when the when the Packers, you know, drafted Aaron Rodgers, you know, at, at that time. Brian Gutekunst, the, the the GM of the Packers, says today we really thought Jordan Love's a special player, but needs work and has is a process and needs you know years of 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 preparation, essentially alluding to the fact that you know that we've we've got him to kind of bring him along. That's all, you know. Okay. The fact of the matter is, they first of all traded up four spots. They were at thirty. You know who was the front of them? In front of them that they traded over the top of Tennessee who just signed Ryan Tannehill, the Ravens, who I think are set at quarterback, if I understand it correctly, and the Seattle Seahawks, who also are pretty good at quarterback. And I guess they assumed that everybody else was thinking like them, well, we're going to need to get another quarterback to back up our all-pro quarterback. That's what we got to have right now and and make him upset, upset the only guy that matters in our organization. So they they traded away a fourth-round pick in order to move up four spots over no teams that were going to draft a quarterback to get a quarterback that they didn't need. They're idiots. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. Moreover, Aaron Rodgers isn't like that welcoming a figure, you know? Right. And I, I actually have this, like, in the back of my mind, what part of their deal was, Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutekunst, <laughs> is that they're sitting there going, you know, this will be maybe a little bit of motivation. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need motivation. And he also doesn't need to be completely disenfranchised with the organization, which he's been, by the way, hence Mike McCarthy now in Dallas with CeeDee Lamb. So now, if you are these two guys, you just set the brick. I mean, you didn't even set it on fire. Just straight dynamite to the whole thing. And you have ostracized this guy. They haven't spoken yet, uh, uh, according to Brian Gutekunst today, which means he called and called and called and got no answer from Aaron Rodgers obviously, and this is going to go over not well with Aaron Rodgers. And I, 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 this is, this is the obviously beginning of the end. And I think the end is a lot closer than like, oh, well, in three years, they'll hand the reins over. No, there is no amicable parting that's going to come of this. Now, the only thing that I can think of is when Jimmy Garoppolo got drafted behind Tom Brady and eventually Tom Brady won out and Garoppolo was shipped out of here. Now, maybe that happens, but I don't think so. And you have just absolutely hit the hornet's nest with a big stick here on this and for no reason, especially with all of the talent that was out there. You got Devontae Adams and nobody to throw the football to. And you passed on all T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, none of these guys because you didn't have a first-round grade on them. Get out of here. Yeah, you almost think if they would have waited to the, their pick in the second round, they could have even got it. I mean, who knows? I mean, here's the thing. In their defense... They didn't move up past those teams because they were afraid those teams were going to take him. They moved up because they were afraid other teams were going to trade up to take him. It's just dumb. Chances Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay next year. 100%. Mm. 100%.
I don't know, man. I think I think we're going to see some Aaron Rodgers drama. I think he's on the open market. Right nothing now. but drama. We'll take a quick. We'll see you on Monday, boys and don't girls. Don't drink bleach. Good idea. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.